Lord, you're a good God, great, mighty, worthy of all praise, Lord Jesus. Lord, as we enter into the text today, I pray, Father, that we would see your intended meaning, your intended purpose, Father, of the text. Lord Jesus, that we would grow in it, understand it, from it get to know you, understand you. Father, you'd speak to our minds, Father, to our hearts, Lord Jesus, give us ears to hear, eyes to see what your word says. And Lord, we are grateful of just what you're doing in us as a body, Father, what you're doing in us, Lord Jesus, in fellowship and in knowledge, and Lord, we give you praise this day. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Okay, John chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 9. Just putting this sermon together, it it never stopped, so I had to stop it. So, or we'll be here for a long time because this is a subject that that uh, is just rich in its text. You'll understand here, and just as we go along, John chapter five, starting in verse nine, and immediately the man was made well. He took up his bed and walked, and that day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said to him who was cured, it is the Sabbath, it is not lawful for you to carry your bed. He answered them, and answered them, he who made me well said to me, take up your bed and walk. Then they asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had, had withdrawn a multitude being in that place. And afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have, ma- you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. For this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. Okay, we'll stop right there because there's more to this, all right? So... Notice in uh, verse 8, 5, 8, here's the, the command, rise, take up your bed and walk. So Jesus told the man to do what he could not do. It was impossible for him to get up and walk. He's been waiting there for how many years? 38 years in that position. Being paralyzed, it was impossible for him to rise up and to take up his bed or to even walk. So at this moment, Jesus challenged the man to believe him for what was impossible. And so immediately the man was made well. Notice that. Every time that God heals, usually it's immediately for the most part. But immediately the man was made well. And this happened as the man responded in faith and did exactly what Jesus told him to do. That day was the Sabbath. And we're going to come back. That's what we're going to talk about most of this. That all this was done on the Sabbath day is the reason the Jews began to persecute Jesus in order, or pursue Jesus in order to persecute him and even try to kill him at opportune times. Because this is how it all started. This is where the conflict began. He healed people on the Sabbath. Now, carrying a bed, actually a sleeping mat or some kind of bedroll, was in fact a violation of the rabbi's interpretation of the commandment against doing work or business on the Sabbath. It it was not a breaking of God's law of the Sabbath, but the human interpretation of God's law. Because the rabbi solemnly argued that a man was sinning if he did anything strenuous 
on the Sabbath. They would even do things like to, to get around the loopholes of the Sabbath. You couldn't be away from your home, a certain distance from your home. You couldn't be doing anything laborious. So they would make little stools that they could carry with them in their traditions. They'd walk a few feet away from the house, sit down and rest. Walk some more feet away from the house, sit down and rest. They would do things like that to get around their own traditions. And so Jesus persistently maintained that it is lawful on the Sabbath to do what? To do good. To have compassion. To, to, to care about people. He, he ignored the Pharisees' regulations and, 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 and thus it came to a, a conflict with the authorities around him. He wanted the Sabbath to, to be where you actually cared about people. You showed compassion on people. But the Pharisees didn't want that. Now, sad, after all those years of this man being paralyzed, all they could say to him is, if you look at verse 10 there, uh, it is the Sabbath. Now, that, that shows you how cold-hearted these people are. They're just worried about the Sabbath. They're not even amazed that the man's walking after 38 years. They don't even care that he's been healed. They say, it, it is the Sabbath. It's not lawful for you to carry your bed. So they don't, there's no rejoicing that he's healed. There's no compassion on him that he's been made well or has suffered. They failed to have any sort of feelings about the fact that he was lame and now he's made better. So they, like the priest and the Levite in the parable of the Good Samaritan, simply walked by him all, the, all that time. Didn't care about whether he was sick or not or needed help. But look at how he, he explains his actions in verses 11 through 13 here. He says, he answered them, He who made me well said to me, Take up my bed and walk. Then he asked, when they asked him, Who is the man who said this to you? Take up your bed and walk. But the one who was healed did not know that it was Jesus, for Jesus had withdrawn a multitude being in that place. So notice how the, he answered. I don't know who it was. He just, this man just told me to pick up my mat and walk away. So that's what I did. And I've been made well. I've been healed. So it was not wrong for Jesus to heal on the Sabbath. If you go back to Mark chapter 3, verse 4, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees in that text. And he says, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days or to do evil? There's the question he lays out to them. To save life or to kill? So he, he, what's Jesus after on the Sabbath day? To do things that are right. To do things that are, you know, as he says here, to do good or evil. Which is better? To save a life or to kill? God had never intended for people to avoid doing good deeds on the Sabbath. That's always been his plan. The Sabbath is for something good. It's not for something evil. Even the Pharisees allowed men to get an animal out of the pit on the Sabbath. We go to Matthew chapter 12. Turn there to Matthew chapter 12 and verses 11 through 12. Now the scripture says, Then he said to them, What man is there among you who has one sheep, and if it falls into the pit on what day? On the Sabbath, will not lay hold of it, and lift it out. Nobody's going to leave that there for a day or two. They're going to pick it out of the pit. 
Of how much more value then is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Again, the Sabbath is set apart for something good. Even so, Jesus was, what did he call it? He's Lord of the Sabbath. Because Jesus was the Lord of the Sabbath, he knew that the Sabbath was made for man. It wasn't made, not man for the Sabbath, right? Remember what it says back, go to Mark chapter 2, verse 27. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is also, what's his title? He's Lord of the Sabbath. So we need to understand that God's word is for man's benefit and the miracles that Jesus did confirmed who Jesus was and who he is. So it, again, it, we need to understand that God's word is for man's benefit. Just like he's, the, the Sabbath was for man's benefit. Sabbath, in the, when we get, look at it in the Old Testament, go to Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. So after God created the world in six days, he rested on the seventh, the scripture says. Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it or set it apart. It's for it's for something he sanctified he made it holy because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and had made so notice he blessed it and he sanctified the seventh day so the seventh day became known as the Sabbath day and we see this again and we'll go to Exodus chapter 20 verses 8 through 11 remember the Sabbath day and to keep it holy now that's brought up, see, from Genesis to Exodus 15, there's no mention of this Sabbath day at all. It's just now all of a sudden it's brought up in the Mosaic Law. And so here we see it in verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do, not do work or do no work, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it, or made it holy, or sanctified it, set it apart. From the Hebrew word Sabbath, or Shabbat actually, meaning to rest from labor, the Greek word is Sabbaton, and like English, it is a translation of the Hebrew, it came to mean a day of rest. So Hebrew rest of labor, you get into the Greek, it's the day of rest. Now, interesting to note, the keeping of the Sabbath was not a command by the patriarchs. In other words, it started here with Moses. It wasn't from Abraham. It wasn't from the, uh, Isaac, Jacob. It starts with Moses. Moses picks this up. Moreover, Adam, Abel, Enoch, Lot, Noah, Melchizedek, Abraham, though they kept no Sabbath, 
they were pleasing to God, Abraham with all his descendants until Moses. They were all doing what God told them to do, but the Sabbath thought didn't come back into their thinking, at least with Scripture, until Moses. And so while God rested on the seventh day of creation, he, he did not command anyone to rest on that day until a thousand years later, is my point. Now the keeping of the Sabbath, and if you can find that, let me know, because I couldn't find that. The keeping of the Sabbath was commanded to who? Who was it the command given to? The Israelites. Now shortly after the exodus of Israel from Egypt, if you go to Exodus 16, Verse 1, give you a little background here. 16.1, And they journeyed from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, and on the 15th day of the second month after they departed from the land of Egypt. We get into, we see he, he blessed and sanctified the seventh day as a day of rest when we get into chapter 16 here. In verse 23, what does it say? Verse 23. Then he said to them, This is what the Lord has said. Tomorrow is a Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake today and boil what, uh, what you will boil and lay up for yourselves all the remains to be kept until morning. He brings the Sabbath rest back up with the manna and the day of rest con concerning manna verse 29 see for the lord has given you the sabbath therefore he gives you on the sixth day bread for two days let every man remain in the place let no man go out of his place on the seventh day it's interesting to me that he ties the sabbath to him who is the bread of life now just keep that thought in the back of your head and go to nehemiah 9:14. Now, in Nehemiah, it wasn't known to them at that time. Let's see, Nehemiah, Nehemiah. They come back into, ah, get over there. Nehemiah 9, verse 14. You made, let me back up here. You came down also on Mount Sinai and spoke with them from heaven and gave them just ordinances and true laws, God's statutes and commandments, you made known to them your holy Sabbath and commanded them precepts, statutes, and laws by the hand of Moses, your servant. So that's when they began to learn about the Sabbath rest. And it really started to understand it around when God gave manna for them to eat. So the Sabbath was made known, blessed, and sanctified, as I said, in the time of Moses with God's rest on the seventh day of creation as its basis. Now, the keeping of the Sabbath was codified or, I guess, explained or broken down so that they could understand it in the law of Moses. That's where they really began to understand what that was. If you look at verse 11 again, Exodus 20, verse 11, with the Ten Commandments, the Sabbath then becomes part of the law. All right? It becomes part of the Mosaic law. Verse 11 says... Again, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and he rested the seventh day, and therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and, and hallowed it. Now, New King James used the word hallowed. That means sanctified or made it holy. 
And so the Sabbath became a sign between God and Israel as his special people. Move into Exodus 31, verses 13 to 17. Speak also to the children of Israel, saying, Surely my Sabbaths you shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Okay? Or it's the Lord that, who sets you apart. It was commanded of Israel because they had been delivered from slavery. If you go to Deuteronomy chapter 5, I apologize for the history lesson here, but that way you'll understand the background of this. It wasn't just a day to go to the synagogue or a day. Uh, it had reason behind it, purpose behind it. Deuteronomy 5, verse 15. And remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out of there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Okay, so here, what's the Sabbath about? It's about rest. And so they, they're, to, they're commanded, or Israel's commanded, to, to rest because they were delivered from slavery. They were delivered from something. Okay, now remember that. Because now the Sabbath rest, or the Sabbath, involves deliverance. I hope you'll get this. So the Sabbath became a weekly reminder of Israel's deliverance from Egypt. Every time they go into the synagogue to worship, or into the temple to worship, at home on the Sabbath, it's to remind them that they were set free from bondage. So now, since they've been set free from bondage, the only thing they need to do now is rest in God. So the keeping of the Sabbath, listen to this, don't get upset. Ready? The keeping of the Sabbath was never commanded of the Gentiles. Ouch! This is a commandment given to Israel. Now, wait a minute, Pastor Dan. You're throwing history under the bus here. No, I'm not. Just listen to me. All the commands regarding the Sabbath are directed towards Israel and no other nation. Now, how do I know that? First of all, one of the things when, they, when the Gentiles start coming to Christ, what were the requirements of the law for them to keep? Or eat no blood sacrifice to animals and don't commit sexual immorality. That's the only thing laid on the Gentiles to do. Now, there's a reason this. I'm getting ahead of myself. The exception for, uh, I said all the commands regarding the Sabbath are directed toward Israel, no other nation. In it, the, there was an exception there. If the stranger who was within your gates, okay, he was required to do that. Exodus 20, verse 10. Go back to Exodus, the, the Ten Commandments. Exodus 20, 10. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor the male servant, nor the female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. At that time, it would imply, if you're inside the gates there, you were required to, to participate. The exception was also, if you look at, uh, it was to be a sign between God and his people Israel. Again, in Exodus 31, if we go back there, you saw that in verses... 13 through 17, but we don't need to reread that. Go to Ezekiel instead, Ezekiel chapter 20. Ezekiel 20. And let's look at verse uh, 12 there, Ezekiel 20, verse 12. 
Moreover, I also gave them my Sabbaths to be a sign between them and me that they might know that I am the Lord who sanctifies them. Okay, so what's the purpose of the Sabbath here? That the Jews would understand what? That we've been set apart. We've been made a holy people. We've been, okay, we are his. Look at verse 20. Hallow my Sabbaths, and they will be a sign between me and you, and you may know that I am the Lord your God. The me and you is, is the Israel and God. Okay, so now we get into the New Testament. And Jesus, concerning the Sabbath, Jesus taught in the synagogues on the Sabbath. Look at Mark chapter 1, verse 21. Okay, Mark 1, 21. And we read, Then they went to Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and taught. Now, we would read the same thing in Mark 6, 2, or Luke chapter 4, verse 16, and verse 31. But his actions on the Sabbath caused controversy. Because you weren't supposed to work on the Sabbath. Nothing's supposed to happen on the Sabbath. But instead, Jesus allowed his disciples to pluck grain in order to eat on the Sabbath. Mark chapter 2, verses 23 and 24. Now there was... so. Mark 2, 23 and 24. Now it happened that he went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and as they went, his disciples began to pluck the heads of grain. And the Pharisees said to him, Look, why do they do what is not lawful on the Sabbath? Again, they didn't understand what the Sabbath was for. Okay, what's the Sabbath made for? Rest. Well, that doesn't mean not working. That has nothing to do with so much physical rest. They have it all wrong. They misinterpreted the law. He healed on the Sabbath. Even in our text in John, where we are, in John 5, verse 9 and verse 16, what happened? Well, he's healed. We've seen that he's done what? He's healed the nobleman's boy, We've seen in nine, uh, five nine, and immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked, and that day was, of course, the Sabbath. We go into the book of Luke, chapter 13, verses 10 through 14. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity, 18 years and was bent over and could not in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, There are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath. Well, there's a hard heart. Lord then answered him and said, Hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his donkey from the stall and lead it away to water, to water it? So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, think of it for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath. And when he had said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame, 
And all the multitude rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. And so Jesus countered their objections by showing their ignorance of the law in Matthew chapter 12. We would go there in verses 3 through 7. Are you with me still? All right. It's going to get better. Matthew chapter 12, verses 3 through 7. But he said to them, Have you not read that what David did when he was hungry? And of course, let me back up to verse 1. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. But he said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry? And he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priest? Or have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath the priest in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? Yet I say to you that in this place there is one greater than the temple, but if he, you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless, for the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So he shows them, he counters their objections by showing their, that they, have, they are ignorant concerning the law and by professing that he's Lord of the, the Sabbath. Note the following observations. The law of Moses was still in effect prior to the death of Christ. He's still under the law here. The Gospels are under the law, the Mosaic law. Okay? The New Testament does not start with Matthew. Okay? That's, those Gospels are still, uh, Jesus is still fulfilling the law. Okay? So he's keeping the Sabbath. Okay? Because in, he, as far as a day, as an Israelite, Jesus kept the law along with the Sabbath. He displayed authority to forgive sin and interpret the law, even. If you go back to Matthew 9, verse 6, where Jesus says, But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. There's nothing to indicate anywhere in the Gospels that Jesus extended the Sabbath to all nations. Doesn't say it. I'm headed to a point with that. I'm trying to keep it in your brain. Now, Paul comes along and he utilizes the Sabbath during his evangelistic efforts to reach people for the gospel. If you go to Acts 13, okay, Acts 13, let's go to verse 14 there, Acts 13, 14. But when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch and Pisidia and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. Now, wait a minute. Jesus has already been to the cross. Sabbath day has been fulfilled because that's part of the law, right? The only, we're still under moral law. He didn't fulfill moral law. That, I mean, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not commit adultery. We're still bound by that. But the ceremonial laws, the things that he did, the, the feast, the Sabbath day, were set to point to something coming, which is Christ. 
But there's still Jews that are under the Mosaic law because they haven't come to Christ. So where's Paul going to go if he wants to talk to the Jew? To the synagogue. Okay? That doesn't mean he's keeping the law anymore or the ceremonial law. He's becoming all things to all men and he might win some. So Paul utilizes the Sabbath that is not really in existence anymore as far as the fulfillment of it, but they're still doing it, if that makes sense to you. 13, 14 there. Go to uh, verses 42, then 44. So when the Jews went out of the synagogue, the Gentiles begged that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Now, when the current, verse 44, on the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. So Paul is taking, my point is, he's taking advantage of those Sabbath days. He knew the Jews would be there, so he sought to teach them about Jesus on that day. So just like he went to the marketplace to reach others, you know, Paul is just going places to reach people, Acts 17, 17. Okay, Paul here is going to go where? Into the marketplace. Therefore he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshipers and in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there. Now, what happened when a Jewish person became a Christian, or let's just say people come to Christ, what happens? Go to Romans 7. Okay, Romans 7. Romans 7, verses 4 through 6. Therefore... And he gives an analogy here. I should back up. Or do you not know, brethren, for I speak to those who know what? The law. That the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. For the woman who had a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she is released from the law of her husband. So then if while her husband lives, she marries another man, she will be called an adulteress, but if her husband dies, uh, she is free from the law so that she is no adulteress, though she is married to another man. Okay, stop right there. What's, what's Paul saying here? It's really not a reference to marriage as much as it is to the law. Okay, so if two people are bound in a covenant, let's say the law, how long does that covenant last? Till one dies. People, Jesus, did, did, he just didn't go to the cross to save you from your sins. He went there to put an end to the law. How did he do that? He died. So by his death, it puts an end to that old covenant, and now you're free to enter into another covenant. Wow, what's that covenant? Well, let's keep going. Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law, through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. Okay, so now I'm dead to the law, but I'm alive in Christ. Okay, now who, who are we married to? We're married to Jesus. Okay, so he says... For when we were in the flesh, the sinless passions which, which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. Praise Jesus. 
Okay? You might say, I've, I've left the law and now I'm in grace. That's, those are some power, worth your study, by the way. And so Jesus ended the law with its ordinances through his death on the cross. Matter of fact, we can go back to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 13 to 16 there. And the scriptures tell us, Ephesians 2, 13, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man of the two, thus making what peace? And that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting uh, to death the enmity. And he, became, he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. Both Jew and Gentile, he's made into one body. Amazing how he's done that when you look at Scripture. Now, that law and ordinances like the Sabbath and circumcision should not be bound on others, especially the Gentiles. If we go back to Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. Okay, we we'll see that in Colossians 2, in verse 16 and 17. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions. Oh, I'm in the wrong passage, sorry. Uh, Colossians 2, 16 and 17. It says, so let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or what? Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come. But the substance is of, that's a very important verse. Very important verse. So the Son of Man is the one who comes from heaven, who carries the fullness, full measure of his deity with him, and with that deity, the full authority associated with him as Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus never uttered words more startling, startling to the ears of the Pharisees than when he had said that to them. Now why? Because Jesus establishes that he was creator of the Sabbath day. Now if he's creator of the Sabbath day, who's he declaring to be? Oh, now we're in trouble. Okay, now we have a problem if you're a Jewish because this man is just the carpenter's son. Now we ask ourselves, when, when was the Sabbath day established? We know that it was part of the Ten Commandments that Moses brought down from Sinai, but it was instituted at creation. So there's another thing where he says, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath, I made the Sabbath. Well, then you're declaring that not only are you God, you created everything. And now, the, now they're just mad. Okay, and they're going to look to kill him. The Sabbath was sanctified in creation, and the only one who had the authority to, to uh, hallow the Sabbath day in, in the work of creation was not the birds of the air, and it's not the fish of the sea, and it's not the man that God made in his own image. Only the Creator had the authority to institute and consecrate this Sabbath day to make it holy. Now, did you see, do you see what Jesus is saying? Only the Creator can be Lord of the Sabbath. And that's a heck of a declaration for him to make, but it is true. 
Now, do you believe he's the creator of all things? Do you believe he's the Lord of the Sabbath? Because here's the Lord of the, Sa of the Sabbath day, the one who made all things, and now in his incarnation, he's being challenged by the Pharisees for his behavior on the Sabbath day that he made. Who do you think knows more? Can you see how or now why they, they couldn't wait to kill him as a blasphemer? It's not because Jesus is saying, I, de you know, I decide what is lawful or what is not lawful on the Sabbath. That's not the reason. It's because he's claiming to be God. Now, a controversy that rages now throughout Christendom is the question of which day is proper for the Christians to come together and to worship. Because they don't under understand the Sabbath. And that still is, I'm sorry to say, so many people don't really understand what the Sabbath is about. We know that the original Sabbath in Israel was established on the seventh day of the week, which was Friday evening, the Saturday evening. Now Christians almost universally worship God in solemn assembly on the first day of the week. Now why do Christians worship on the first day instead of the seventh? That's not Easter. Who said it? It's about the resurrection. Okay? The reason is that the Lord of the Sabbath was resurrected on the first day of the week, which is the Sunday. And his resurrection proved the ultimate intent and purpose of the original Sabbath day. And that, 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 that is, on the Sabbath, God provides for his people a time of rest, pointing forward to a future time when his people would enter into rest by resurrection, by faith in him. Okay, it starts there and it goes on into eternity. So what's the, what's the relevance of the fourth commandment on us today? What's the, you know, do I have to go to church on Friday or synagogue on Friday and Saturday? Or do I go to church on Sunday? Or does it matter? Can it be any day? Okay, because that's what Paul would say. Look, it's not about a day, folks. It's not a, now, if you want to set a day aside for the Lord, that's great. But that's not even what it's about. Some religious groups would say that we're still bound to, to keeping that part of the law. Be careful with some of these messianic movements that are out there. Okay? Because if they say you still have to keep the Sabbath on Friday evening to Saturday evening, they're putting you back under what? the law and if you don't keep all of the law you're in trouble so be careful with that it's it's all right to 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 see and study and part you know to 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 see these feasts and talk about these things so you learn from them because they teach you about christ but not to put you back under bondage to keep a day okay since the fourth commandment is part of these ten commandments jesus has fulfilled its requirements on our behalf. Okay, that includes the Sabbath day. As we already have, as I've already noted here, uh, it teaches us about the love of God for man. Jesus also reveals to us his identity through it. Through all the healings that he performs on the Sabbath, or he performed on the Sabbath, through his declaration that he was Lord of the Sabbath, I mean, if we go back, like Matthew 12, 8 here, reminds you of, you may have already brought this verse out, but let's bring it out again. Yeah, for the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. There it says, 
in verse 8. Okay, he is even Lord of the Sabbath. So ultimately, I need to wrap this up a little bit. The Sabbath is symbolic for the rest of God's people in Christ now and for all eternity. Hebrews 4, 9 says, Hebrews 4, verses 9 through 11 says, There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works, as God did from his. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. God works. Six days he rests the seventh. That's not a day made for him, is it? It's made for who? Us. Okay? So what am I doing all six days? Working. Okay? Now, let's look at it this way. Until Jesus came along, what's man doing with his righteousness in heaven? Working, right? How is he working? By keeping the law, okay? I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to be at this feast. I at least need to be at these three feasts. I got to wash this way. I got to act. I got to do this way. I work, 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 right? But it never got rid of my sin. It just covered the sin, right? There's no rest. The law wasn't made so man could rest. It was made to show he's working, 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 and failing, and failing, and failing because he can't get righteous. He can't become righteous in all his work. The more he works, the deeper the hole gets. See what I mean? There's no rest. Then along comes Jesus. And he comes and he says, all right, I'm going to not just, uh, you must be perfect, the law says, to get to heaven. Perfect. Keep all the law to get to heaven. Good luck. Well, along comes our Lord and Savior, and he is perfect. And he keeps all the requirements of the law that I was supposed to keep. I'm just saying, as a, I, all this stuff, I'm, he, especially for the Israelites, he's doing all this stuff they're supposed to keep. And, and, and now they, they come to him in faith, and, and what's the result? What happens? Who said it? What did they do? They entered into what? The rest. Why is it rest? What? There's nothing left for you to do. Listen, you can't become more righteous if you're in Christ. You can't become more forgiven. He's not going to love you more because you do more things. Okay? You can't get more saved than you're already saved. Hear me? What's left to do? Rest on what? On Him. For what he has done and completed it. Okay? There's nothing left for you to do. If you, if you want to praise God for anything today, thank, you, thank him that all you have to do is rest. There's nothing left for you to do. When faith and grace came together and saved you, there's nothing left for you to do. He did it all. Now, you know how many people hate that message. The world hates it. Some of the church hates it because now, what do you mean just rest? I have to work, 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 work. And you know how you, know, you meet people like that? Because, let me tell you how Satan just messes with you. If you're convinced or not sure you're saved, the next thing you will do is try to work your way to heaven. 
If you don't understand that Jesus did everything and you're saved and you are eternally his, forgiven forever, past, present, future sin, all his, eternally held by him, you will start working your way to heaven. There will be no rest. Part of rest comes around when you realize that you are secure in him. I can rest. So that rest is in Jesus Christ. And the question I'm left to ask, are you at rest in him? And this goes back to John 3. It all started back in John 3. If you're not born again, there is no rest. Resting in the finished work of Christ. And I have to, I have to make that clear. Believing that he has done everything in himself that is needed for your salvation and nothing else has to be done. He did it all. So who gets the credit? <laughs> Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for the Sabbath that was in a day at one time to point us to Jesus. And now for the church in this hour, Lord, I thank you that we aren't in that Sabbath that pointed to the law. We're in the first day of the week that points to the resurrection of Christ. Thank you, Father, for your Son. Thank you, Father, for Jesus who gave us rest. Amen.